0: I'm actually going to wrap up a series that I started a number of weeks ago and uh, kind of had a break here and there, Thanksgiving and Pastor Appreciation, but I'm going to finish it up today, and it is a series called A Burning Passion. Now, a few weeks ago, we did begin this series, and we talked about, you know, the burning passion and how a fire can get low and passion can even, well, be put out, and how do we have that passion grow in us and... Come alive like never before. So we've been talking about that over a number of messages. And I want to say something today. Like, you're probably wondering, well, why do you keep preaching about a burning passion? I believe that living without passion isn't really living. You know, I've met people who live without passion. Go to work, eat, sleep, go to work, eat, sleep. They're like robot, no passion, no life. That isn't really living. And I want to make another statement, and you might be like, are you sure? I'm going to say this. Being a Christian without passion isn't really being a Christian. How can you say that? Well, I can say that because the term Christian means a Christ follower. And if you're to follow Christ, you're following his example. And I found out in Scripture he was the most passionate person that walked the earth. He got up before the sun to go pray for lost people. He walked all across the land where he was in to reach people. Night and day, and then he let them beat him and whip him and hang him on a cross for other people. That was a person of passion, and that's who we follow. That's our example. So yes, you can't really be a Christian without passion. Church, I want to stir your hearts. I want you to realize life needs passion. You and I need passion. And it should burn like a bright light. And Scripture it says, We're the light of the world. What does that mean? I'm going to get there in a minute. We're the light of the world. Truly, God wants us to burn so that others can see. And when you and I shine bright, when we burn with passion, it draws people to Christ. Now today, I want to specifically look at the fact that one more way that we can have passion burn, that we can be passionate people. And so today's message is this. I believe that a very important way for us to live passionately for Christ is to fully commit to a Christian church. You're like, how's that going to bring passion? I'm going to show you through God's Word. You want to be a passionate believer? Then you need to be fully committed to a Christian church. Now, first off, I guess if we're going to do this, well, what is a Christian church? Now, in Scripture, you'll remember that Jesus first talked about His church, and He said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. The definition of church there is a gathering of people called out from their homes into a public place, an assembly. So a Christian church is people called out into a public place, assembling to honor and worship Christ. So that's pretty simple, we understand that. In other words, you can't have church alone. There has to be other people. And it should be public, where the public can come and hear if they choose. So that is the definition of church. Now, what does fully committing to a church look like? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Like, we didn't ask. Anyhow, you're here, so I'm going to take that as you want to know. We're going to look at what does it mean to fully commit to a church. The first thing, and this is maybe simple, but I'm going to say it anyhow, simply. You first off need to choose a home church and regularly attend there. You're like, we knew that. Okay, you'd be like, well, how does that show commitment? How does that help me to have passion? First of all, let's go to some scripture. Psalm 27 and verse 4. The psalmist writes, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You see, the writer was saying, I want to be in the house of the Lord every day of my life. He loved the presence and the anointing of the Lord. And he said, I want to be there. He determined that's where he wanted to be. You see, passionate believers want to be in church with one another. They want to be in God's presence. Let's look in the New Testament for a minute. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. It's talking about Jesus. It says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. Now you can study the scripture out and what you will realize is Jesus had a home church that he regularly attended and was involved in. They saw him come. They knew he was. Hey, you usually come here and read the scripture. You can read again today. And we sometimes miss that point because a lot of our focus is on Jesus' ministry and he was called into a ministry that had him traveling. But he did have a home church. And as a young man, he went there regularly. As a young man, his parents took him. Culturally, they went to church. They learned the scriptures. But we also know that as a young man, Jesus came to a point where he embraced it and he loved God's Word, but his parents took him. Parents, I want to encourage you today. Regularly attend and have your children regularly attend with you. And this, being part of church for our spiritual life, is the most important thing. And I'm, I'm thankful I see some young people here this morning. Young people, thank you for being here. This is important. You want God to move in your life. You want a future and a passion Then regularly attend church. But Jesus had a home church that he regularly attended. And we know that he suddenly grasped it for himself at one point when he was around 12 years old. Church, when kids turn 12 or 13 and they're done kids ministry, they should be here growing. Don't leave them at home. Jesus went to the temple. Now they had synagogues in their close areas that were likely within walking distance, and then there was the temple, and Jesus' family went to the temple when he was about 12 years old, and then they left, and they forgot Jesus because he was so busy talking to the religious leaders about God's word. And they lost him for three days. And when they found him, he was still at the temple talking about God's word. I think about that sometimes. When I was 12, if... You know, I had been lost for about three hours. I'd be ready to eat again, and I'd be looking for my parents. But Jesus wanted to talk about the Word. You think about the where did he sleep? Behind the temple somewhere? And then back to it, he wanted to hear more God's Word. Parents, pray for your kids to get a passion like Jesus had for the Word. You won't be able to keep them away from it. Can you imagine that being a problem? How come you were at church again? Where were you? Were we looking for you? I was at youth group again. Or I was at church. I was helping in kids' ministry. I was practicing my guitar worshiping because I want to be a worship leader one day. Hey, that's a good problem to have, parents. But it begins with you. You teach that by bringing them regularly. That was some preaching right there. Okay, we're going to continue on. Fully committing to a church causes you and I to have passion, and that happens when we choose a home church. You see, you need to be committed to a home church for your own good, but also for the good of that church. Scripture says that it's like a body, a living body, and it can't function without you. First Corinthians 12, verse 20, Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. You need to be fully committed because your church and your community needs you. You're important. If you're here today and you think, wow, well, I'm not that important. Yes, you are. Just like the pinky toe is important. Stub it on the coffee table and you will know how important it is. The whole body feels it. Church, you and I definitely need to be committed because your church needs you. Listen to Hebrews 10 and verse 24. It says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. All right, you need to choose a church that you're, going to say your home church and regularly attend for a number of reasons. Here's one of them. This scripture is talking about regular, but it's also talking about accountability. Because in here he's saying you're exhorting one another. In other words, you're encouraging each other and exhorting even as a context of some correction. How does that happen if you're not regularly in a group where you know one another? If you're well, you know, I'm going to come once every two months. Nobody knows you. They think you're a new person. They're not going to really say much. And I get it. I'm saying, readily or commit to church, here you guys are. Obviously, you've got some commitment or you wouldn't be here. But I want to share this to encourage you so you know why you do it. Sometimes we do something and forget why. I want to encourage you to get it. This is why I do this. This is why I'm here. The Scripture talks about accountability, and that happens when you're fully committed somewhere. Now, over the years, I've seen that not everybody wants to be committed or have accountability. You think about this in the natural sense, and yes, I'm going to use the natural sense of the passion in relationship again, and I have through this whole message. In the natural sense of commitment, at some point, if you love someone, you commit to them for life. But if you're unwilling to commit and you just want to go back and forth between this person and that person and that person because they're all wonderful and they all have benefits, there's going to be confusion and there will not be the kind of passion that God wants in relationship. Similarly, I believe he wants you to commit to church. Choose. Did you know in Revelation, Jesus actually speaks to churches? You know, our Bible in quite a few places is not speaking to individuals, but to churches. Are you part of one? Because he speaks at church to his body. Still today. You can read Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 if you like, and you'll see him specifically giving messages to churches. Did you know when God gives a message to our church, and you're part of it, it's for you. And you can take it home and know, hey, this is for me, it's for our church body. Now, in the early days of Christianity, there weren't a bunch of churches to choose from. We're obviously blessed here in our community with a number of churches. But in the early days, there was probably only one within walking distance. And you went there no matter who was there, no matter if your aunt that always annoys you was there, you went. If that neighbor you didn't like, you went and it was good for you. You see, church is us getting together with other people, and we need it. Now, maybe you're saying, well, I'm not sure. How do I choose a home church? How do I decide where I want to commit? I'm going to use relationship again. Did you know that when I decided I was going to commit and marry Beatrice, I prayed about it, and asked the Lord? I believe it's no different for a church where you're going to stay and do what God asks you to do. Pray and ask Him. Pray and ask the Lord, where do you want me committed? Where I can be accountable, where I can do the things you want. And when He drops that in your spirit, then you do it, and you stick it out, and you grow, and you become passionate, and you change your community. No commitment, no passion. And church, I'm going to say it here loud and clear. I actually want you this week to... If you need to reconfirm it in your spirit where God wants you, you take some time and pray. If you already know, praise the Lord. If you don't know, you ask God, where do you want me fully committed? You see, because church is like a body or a family. Your home church is your immediate family. Other churches are like your relatives. You visit them, you love them, you encourage them, but your home immediate family is where you live, you learn, you grow You're okay with telling each other what needs to be said. So commit and do it because it's good for you and I. When you take time this week, if you pray about, Lord, where could I commit? And he says somewhere else in town, you give me a call and I will pray for you and bless you to go. I want people to be where God tells them to be. Now, obviously, as your pastor, I want you all to commit here. I'll be honest. I'm not going to joke. But I also know God speaks and let him speak. But church, know where he wants you and commit. I just, I want to see people alive, passionate, and doing for God. And if you can do that here, that's awesome. We want to see you do that. All right, so how do we fully commit to a church? First, choose one and regularly attend. If you're parents with kids, get your kids to attend with you regularly as well. Until they're out of your house, that's my belief. And uh, I still stick to that. We won't go on that story, but I do. So that's just how I feel. Now, but also, we need to fully commit to a church by giving our time there. And I'm just going to show you from Scripture, a little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of New. Exodus 20 and verse 8, God required his people's time. He says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male, female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart. So God said to his people, hey, I want you to give me one day out of seven. I want your time. That's what he said. Leviticus 26, 2. You must keep my Sabbath days of rest and show reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. So he's telling them, keep the Sabbath, reverence the sanctuary. He's giving them the, the thing, hey, take that day for me. Give it to me. Do what pleases me. And Isaiah 58, 13 gives a little more clarity on what he meant by giving your time on that day. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, call the Sabbath a delight. Everybody say delight. When you delight in something, you're passionate about it. The holy day of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. God is telling his people, I want your time. Give me one-seventh of your time. Now, we understand that was a base amount because obviously they spent time in prayer and memorizing scripture and teaching scripture to their kids at home, but he gave them a base amount. Give me your time. Now, I'm going to say this, church, if you are a believer in Christ, you also are required to give time. And scripture tells you a base amount, but of course we know God asked for even more than that in the New Testament. Jesus takes everything further. He said he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And he sees it as a base amount, but he takes it further because he goes to the heart of the matter. And he looks at people's hearts and says, give me even more we're going to look at that in a minute but I want to make a statement at this point I want to say this if you're unwilling to give any time to the Lord at your home church you may have an idol in your life now don't get offended by this I just want to say this because to say I don't have time for the Lord means you feel that you have no time what that means is something else is taking your time you're giving your time to something else It could be an idol because God is the most important thing in our life. We make time for Him. Now, idol could be work, family, maybe even pleasure has become an idol without realizing it. I mention it from time to time. We can go online to find things that we enjoy day and night. But if it's taking all our time so that we feel we have no time for God, it could have become an idol. Okay, so we don't want idols, Does anybody know how you deal with idols? How do you get rid of an idol? Does anybody know? It's not a trick question. In the Bible, they got rid of idols. How did they do it? They destroy them. They get rid of them. They make sure they're not there. If that's what you need to do because something's become an idol, do it. All right. Mark 1, 16 to 18. Jesus asks for a lot of time from these people. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water. For they fished for a living, and Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. And he called them at once, and they followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired man. See, Jesus said, hey, you guys, I want all your time. And again, as I mentioned, Jesus didn't do away with the law. He took things further. See, the old law said, just give me one day. Jesus said, I want all your days for now. Matthew five seventeen is where that verse that I mentioned. It says, do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So what does that mean for you and I as New Testament believers? It means that we're willing to give God our time any way he directs, even above and beyond the base amount that he already told us in his word. So it's kind of like it's a base amount to regularly attend church. But because I'm his, if he asks my time for other things, I'm going to say yes. Okay? So that's the basic understanding of committing fully and giving him your time. All right, I have one more thing I want to mention about... Committing fully and to the Lord. Now, when I say committing fully and giving your time, I'm going to go one more time to relationship. If you want a healthy relationship, you've got to put time into it, don't you? What happens if you put no time in it? Ooh, things go bad. Ooh, yeah. Time is important. And you give time to something you're passionate about, the passion actually grows more. So make sure you're putting time in your relationship. Now, I've got to say something here today. Throughout this message on passion, I've been often talking about the marriage relationship. You And know, when Scripture does uh, do that as well, right? Um, in the Scripture, it says husbands should love their wives just like Christ loved the church. We use that example because it's a great example of passion. But I don't want single people to feel left out. And to the single people, you can have great passion and love for the Lord without being married. And actually, Scripture says that when you're single, you have more time to give to the Lord because people who are married have to spend a lot of time making sure to keep their partner happy and blessed. It's part of being married. There's actually a Scripture that says, uh, when you're married, you'll have trouble. Like People are like, can you... Text that to me, though, nobody wants to remember that verse. I remember hearing a preacher who did a lot of marriage teaching, and he he said he did a lot of marriage counseling, and couples would come into his office, and they're all like, we're having trouble. And he'd be like, oh, you must be married, the scripture says right here, you know, everything's okay. The point is, when two people get close together, they're going to have issues that they disagree on and have to work through. So single people, you miss out on all that. And you get to just give your time to the Lord. All right. I love being married, and I have a hard time forgetting that not everybody's married. So be fulfilled and joyful, single. If God's called you to be married, that'll come, and you'll be blessed. He even calls some people to live single. And you can enjoy it and enjoy it to the full. I was single before. I was actually single till I was 26. And I live full and joyful and passionate for the Lord. Um, you know, so I remember those days. I actually remember when I decided I need to be committed and uh, I'm going to marry this girl, Beatrice Brown. And I asked her to marry me. She said, yes, we were engaged. And she uh, one day said, oh, kiss me. I'm like, I don't know how to kiss you. I've never kissed a girl. I was thinking to myself, I gotta figure this out. And I thought, well, I've seen it on TV before, so (laughs) I kissed her. Later, she told me it was the worst kiss ever. I guess it wasn't a very good TV show I watched. I don't know. (laughs) But it's okay to also be single. You can still be passionate. You can still understand our examples. And I want to encourage you, people, be passionate for him. Wherever and whatever stage he's placed you in, let passion be overflowing in you. My final point today, that's going to take a little bit of time, so you still might get out a little early. But I want to say this, you fully commit to a church by choosing one and regularly attending, by giving your time there, and by giving your finance there, or more specifically your tithe or your tenth. Now, let me go to Scripture. It always gets quieter when I get onto the, this part. I don't preach about finance that much, but it is really in important in our discipleship, in our walk with Christ. Finance is a big part of our lives, and if we haven't given that to God, we really aren't committed fully to Him. But let me just explain. You can read some of these on your own if you want. Leviticus twenty-seven thirty to 33. Just going to quickly explain it but it talks about God asking his people to give a tenth to him. A tenth just means 10%, and it was 10% of their material increase, okay? So if anybody's wondering about that, so your uh, take-home pay after everything else has gone out would be your increase. So it's 10% of material increase. I actually explained this uh, about business because some people are unsure. In a business it would be 10% of your take-home or your profit because it's not yours to give if it's not yet increased. So you can't give 10% on somebody's wages. That's not yours. You can't give 10% on materials that have to be paid for. That's not yours. Uh, Just in case somebody with a new business is wondering that. So God asks his people to give 10% of their increase, and in that time and age, most of their increase came from their crops their orchards or their animals and so that's how we would see it in our stand not today most of us don't have orchards crops or animals a few of you have animals some of you have a lot of pets but anyways (laughs) don't give away part of your dog but anyways the point is 10 percent of our increase is for god okay now again as i mentioned jesus didn't come to do away with the law but to fulfill it and here's what he says in deuteronomy chapter 12 i'm going to go back to deuteronomy then we'll go to jesus deuteronomy 12 verse 5 he tells them where they should give their 10 percent he says rather you must seek the lord your god at the place of worship he himself will choose from among all the tribes the place where his name will be honored There you will bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifice, your tithes, your sacred offerings, your offerings to fulfill a vow, your voluntary offerings, your offerings of the firstborn animals of your herds and flocks. Whew, that was a lot of tithes and offerings in there, wasn't it? You guys are like, whoa. They had quite a few different things that they would bring, but the 10% part and the focus I want on this verse is he told them where. Where were they to bring their, their giving? to the place where they worshipped, the place where they went to worship him, and that's where he asked them to give. Now, I'll give you another verse on that. Malachi 3, verse 10. It says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Everybody say temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. So again, he's clearly telling them, I want you to bring that where you worship. The temple was where they worshiped and where they honored God. So that is a basic understanding from the Old Testament of where I should give. So you choose a church, you attend regularly, you give your time, and you give what God has asked from the basics. Now, I made a statement about our time, and I'm going to make the same statement about our finance. If you're unwilling to give any finance to the Lord at your home church, you might have an idol in your life. What do I mean? Well, if you feel like you have no finance for God, who is the most important thing in your life as a believer, it's possible that money's an idol. Maybe you you don't separate ever from it, or maybe family's an idol, or maybe pleasure's an idol. Again, pleasure can take a lot of finance, you know, enjoying yourself and maybe overdoing it. And also another organization could be your idol. And uh, I only bring this up because of years of serving God. I've seen it many times where people will give all their giving finance to an organization that they see on TV and do nothing at their home church. But your home church is in your community. It's where you worship. Of course, nowadays, there's many online options, and you know, you can go ahead and give of your offering, but I believe God wants your 10th, that's your home church. Why? Just like he said in that verse, so there's enough provision to do what needs to be done for that body of believers. So again, that's a basic understanding of it, but sometimes people, you know, they just decide, well, I think it should all go over here because... This person's really convincing. I want to say this because I used to have an evangelistic organization. I was in evangelism, and I had my own ministry organization, and if I knew someone was trying to give me their tithe, I wouldn't take it. I would actually tell them, that belongs at your home church. You can give an offering above your tithe if you want to my evangelistic ministry. And interestingly, I did many of the things churches do. I did worship, I led people to Christ, and I did them at churches. But I knew that the organization God had given me wasn't a church. And I knew that I was called to come alongside churches and help them and bless them. And it would have been no blessing at all to take all the tithe from them because I just came in and I was a good singer. So I got that from Scripture before I was ever a pastor. I just want you to know that. So I'm not just sharing this because I'm a pastor now. I know that that's how God's kingdom purposes work. Now, when we talk about finance, we, of course, should look at what Jesus had to say. And Jesus in the New Testament, of course, took it to a whole nother level again. You'll find Jesus does that a lot. In Matthew 5, 17 to 28, we already read verse 17. But if you continue reading in that portion, I'd encourage you to do that later today. Jesus explains, I didn't come to do away with the law. And then he starts talking about it. And he says, you've heard how in the law it says you shouldn't murder. But I say, if you hate your brother without a cause, it's just like murder. He's taking things to a whole other level. He does the same thing with adultery. He says, well, you you shouldn't have adultery. He says, I'm going to say to you, if you're looking on someone else to lust after them, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So he took things further and he did the same with finance. Luke 11 and verse 42, listen to what he says. He says, what sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So Jesus is saying, don't just do the base minimum, Like they were really careful. to, We're going to get it exact, but yet they were unwilling to think about love and uh, more important things beyond that. So Jesus said, yes, tithe, but take it further. Let your heart be involved. My last scripture this morning, Luke 18 and verse 22. Jesus is actually talking here with a, a young man who has asked, you know, what do I do God said, keep the commandments. He said, I already have done that. And then Jesus replies. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. Now, Jesus specifically said this to this rich young ruler because he saw a heart problem. He saw that this man's heart was more for his finance and what he possessed than it was for God. God is not telling you all here this morning to sell everything you have. Please don't do that and show up with sleeping bags, you know, tomorrow or something. But specifically, God knew he had an issue. So what does that mean for us as New Testament believers? I believe it means for you and I, we need to be willing to say, okay, God, what we have is yours. And we need to be willing to Use it as he directs, even above and beyond the base amount that he already spoke in his word. We need to say, whatever I have is yours, and I will be obedient. Okay, so that's, I believe, what it says for you and I. You see, people who are fully committed to a church, through the ups and downs, who are willing to give their time, their finance, are people who burn with passion. I've seen it over and over. Passionate people press in. And church, the world wants what you have when you're passionate. The world wants to know how come you still have passion. Didn't we just go through two years of craziness and how can you smile and care? How come you're all happy and lit up? What's going on? They want what you have. How can you go through sickness and crazy things and yet you still smile? They want what you have. How can you go through loss and... Not everything working well, and yet you still smile and encourage. Church, the world wants what you have. Let's determine to be passionate. Let's choose to commit to a church fully, regularly attending our time and our finance. I want to take a minute to pray. I'm just going to pray for you where you're seated And I'm just going to pray that God would ignite passion where it needs to be ignited. And also that God would reveal so clearly to you where you need to be planted. And that you will stay planted where that is. So right now, let's bow and pray. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. Every one of them here today for a reason to receive from you. Lord, maybe there's some here who are unsure about where they should be planted. Lord, I just pray right now that you would cause them to be 100% sure. That they would know that no matter what, no matter who's talking or what's bugging them, they're going to be planted. And Lord, of course, I want it to be here, but I want you to speak to them where it is. And Lord, I just pray that it will be settled in their spirit and they will become passionate like never before. Because doubt causes passion to be gone. Jesus actually says the person who's doubted is like a wave tossed to and fro and they'll receive nothing. So let your people be sure and let passion rise again. Lord, I thank you. And I pray this for the young people, Lord. Stir a Holy Ghost passion in their lives for you, for your word, for worship, for the thing you've called them to. So Lord, I thank you for each one here. Passion rises, they're committed. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.